will be receiving new members soon. If you are interested in membership at First Church, please talk to Pastor Joel. At this time, we'll take a few minutes to greet our neighbors and get ready to worship. Good morning to everyone here in the sanctuary. What a wonderful January morning. Also, a special welcome to those that are listening on T102 or watching on Facebook Live. So glad to have you in attendance this morning also. Let us start our worship this morning with everyone that is possible to please stand and we'll read our call to worship this morning. It comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. <coughs> Excuse me. I will drag in, drag, draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? <coughs> <coughs> 
you stretched out your hand and and the earth swallowed your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to the holy blood. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified, and the leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Cana will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them by the power of your arm. They will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. Lord reigns forever. Now we will continue to sing our first songs, number four, number 59, and number 29.
Isaiah 59. I sing the mighty power of God.
and you may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward uh, the officers of the congregation that we are beginning their term this year, as well as our current elders that are uh, with us here this morning. So I invite you guys forward to join us up here on the stage for the installation of officers. Yes, you can come on up here. Yep. Hey, everybody can see your bright, shiny faces this morning. All right. So for new officers to the congregation this morning, we are installing for elders, uh, Keith Leffel and Michelle Dillon. Uh, for deacons, uh, Dean Haberkamp and Zach Metzger. And for trustee, Jess Dillon. And so I'm going to ask you guys to kind of group yourselves together here. Uh, we're going to start with the elders, and then we're going to, um, we have some questions we're going to ask you that we do together, and then also the deacons and the trustees. And so our current elders, we just invite you up here to, to pray with me and, and lay hands on them as, we, as, we, as I pray for them. Um, I'm also inviting Jack Shrolicky to join us with the uh, elders. Uh, we did not get an opportunity to do this with you last year when, we, when you began serving as an elder, and so we're going to include you in this this morning as well. So our new elders this morning, Keith, Michelle, and also Jack, I ask you these questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I do. Do you believe in the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired Word of God, and do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability and with the help of the Holy Spirit? Do you feel called by God to the office of elder in order to serve God and edify the first church in New Knoxville? I do. And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of elder as outlined in our Constitution? I do. Praise God. And so our current elders, I invite you to join me in prayer for these individuals. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you that you've provided faithful and gifted people to serve as elders. As, with, as these new officers begin, as these new office bearers assume their responsibilities, fill them with your spirit, endow them with your wisdom, and grant them with strength. Make them faithful workers in your vineyard. Under your guidance, may your church grow in every spiritual grace, in faith which is open and unashamed, and in the committed service that promotes your reign in the world. Help them to perform their duties with enthusiasm and humility. In their work, grant them a sense of sustained awe, which is rooted in daily adoration of you, their Lord. And through them, may your name be honored and your church be served. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Uh, Dean, I invite you to step forward. Um, I see Zach is not with us here this morning, so you guess you're doing this solo this morning. You all right with that? <laughs> all right. So, Dean, I ask you these same questions. Uh, as I, I just asked the elders, do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I do. Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the inspired Word of God, and do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability and with the help of the Holy Spirit? I do. Do you feel called by God to the office of deacon in order to serve God and edify the First Church in New Knoxville? I do. And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of deacon as outlined in our Constitution? I do, with the help of God. Praise God. And again, elders, I invite you to join me in prayer as we pray for Dean. Heavenly Father, since the time of the apostles, you've inspired the church to commission certain members to assist in a special way in the pastoral mission of Christ. Hear our prayer for your faithful people, and in their vocation and ministry, each day may they be an instrument of your love. And give to your servants now to be ordained the needful gifts of grace. Bless the deacons that they may be humble and faith-inspired in their service. We ask 
And our new trustee is Just Dillon. So I invite you to come forward and again, ask you these same questions that I just asked the others. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired Word of God? And do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? And do you feel called by God to the office of trustee in order to serve God and edify the First Church in New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of trustee as outlined in our Constitution? Praise God. And again, I invite you to join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for those who care for and control the property of this congregation. We thank you for their faithful stewardship, knowledgeable expertise, and humble service to this church. We ask for your provision not just to maintain this building, but to make it a welcoming environment for all who seek to worship you. We ask this through Jesus Christ. Amen. And thank you. Welcome. Uh, we're, well, welcome. You guys have been here. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your willingness to serve and consistory for this next term. And we just appreciate your uh, desire to do that. So thank you for joining us. You guys can feel free to have a seat. Thanks. As they head back to their seats, I invite you to, the rest of you to join me in prayer now. Father God, we are, again, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to serve alongside these men and women that you have called to these offices. And I thank you for each person here, Lord, and the gifts and the talents that they bring to this church. Though there are certain individuals that are called to offices within the church, we are grateful for every member of the body of Christ. And we're thankful for the gifts and the talents the abilities and the blessings that you've given each one of them. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us to be the body of Christ here in the First Church of New Knoxville. I ask, Lord, that you would bless and sustain this church. We ask for your continued guidance and wisdom in our own lives, in our families, in this church, and in this community. And may all that we do, in, in all that we do, may we do it to your honor and to your glory. Lord God, we ask for... Uh, we come before you now humbly and ask for your, your provision and circumstances, Lord, that we face in our own lives. Lord, for the names that are represented on the prayers and concerns list and for other burdens that we carry into the church this morning that are unknown to those sitting around us, we ask for your special provision and your care in those circumstances. For those that are in need of healing, we ask that you would be with them. For those that are in need of provision, Lord, we ask that you through, you would provide, and you would provide through your people where we are able. And for those that are in need of encouragement and, and uh, a kind word, Lord, may you provide people in their lives to support and sustain them in all things. Lord, we know that there were uh, many people in our, in our church, in our community this past week that underwent surgeries and tests, and, and, and we just thank you for, and praise you for the good results that we've seen from that. Lord, we are grateful for your provision, and we would be uh, remiss to, to, to neglect thanking you and praising you for those things. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you for the, the good test results and good surgeries that took place this week. And, Lord, we know that you are faithful, and we know there is, there is always more to come. Uh, and, we, and so we just ask that for those that are facing surgeries, for those that are facing tests or, or other uncertainties, Lord, we just ask that they would be able to stay focused on you and your faithfulness and your provision through it all. Lord God, we gather here this morning to glorify you and, and praise you. We've done that already through song and through the hearing of your word. And we do that now in prayer, Lord, as we give ourselves over to you and put our trust in you fully and completely. 
Lord, your word also calls us to pray for those in authority over us. And so this day we do pray for our national government. We pray for our president, Congress, and the Supreme Court, that they would have a uh, wisdom beyond their means and a hunger and thirst after your righteousness, Lord. And may you be glorified in all things, not just in this church and in this community, but in this nation and in this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This time I want to invite forward Maria for children's chat, as well as any of our children that are gathered here with us today. We invite you to come forward at this time. Sit right here. Yep, sit down right there. Good job. Come on. How are you guys today? Good. Good. All right. Come gather just a little bit closer. Oh, here comes some more. All right. Cool beans. All right. So, to start off this morning, I want to tell you guys something amazing that happened to me yesterday. So, you know how us adults have been reading through the Bible? And this week we were reading about Moses, and we're going to learn about Moses and how he saw a burning bush and how God parted the Red Sea when he was leading the Israelites out and the Ten Commandments. I was reading my women's Bible study stuff, and the same stories came up in the book I was reading as what I read in the Bible yesterday morning. Can you believe it? That's pretty cool. I was just amazed. I thought God does pretty some pretty cool and amazing things sometimes. Well, one of those things that I hinted at just now was about Moses. So Moses was one of the leaders. And God wanted Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. Okay, And it was a long walk, because you have to remember, they had like wagons and stuff, but there were no cars and trains and stuff, so they had to walk mostly, okay? And there was a shorter way, and there was a longer way, and God told Moses to take the long way. So, you know, Moses followed God's directions, and that's what he did, but they got to the Red Sea. What is a sea? A big thing of water, yeah. And here they were facing this big thing, of this big, like, ocean, lake. How were they supposed to get around it? And you know what else? To make matters worse, Pharaoh and his army was right behind them. He decided he didn't want to let them go, that he was going to come after them. What are they going to do? They have water in front of them and the army behind them. And 
the people are like, Moses, what are you doing? So what do we do when we're in crisis? We get a boat. Well, they did not. Hold on. Okay. They called out to God. And God came to Moses and he said, hey, remember that staff that I turned into a snake back a couple, however long ago? A couple years ago, I want you to take that and hold it up. Okay, so I have some water in my pan. I have some pepper. And this pepper is in here. Don't get too close because when I practiced this yesterday, it made me sneeze. Um, the pepper do awesome things. Okay? So the people are here. What are they going to do? Well, they call out to God. They swim. What do we think happens? Does anybody know? They don't swim. Ray, what happens? Do you remember? They don't. They, how are you going to walk through the water? They can't walk on water. They do not have superpowers. Do you know what happens? They call for God. They do. They do. They call for God. Now I want you all to gather around here real close. Okay? Because what happens when I put my finger in like this? Not really. It's all still there. I got pepper on my finger. But with God's help, okay, what happens? All that pepper spread, and that's what happened. Whenever Moses lifted that staff high up into the sky, God parted the waters. And he didn't just make it a muddy place to walk through. He dried up the ground underneath it and everything. And so... Moses and the Israelites could walk through. Now, do you remember that army that's behind them? Yeah, yeah, they're still there. Do you think they're going to keep following them? Yeah, they are. And you know what happened? They drowned. They did. They drowned because when all the Israelites got through, God, Moses put the staff down, and the waters all came back. And all those, um, Pharaoh and his army, all you want to know what's my That's next? Hand sanitizer. It's not hand sanitizer. It's close. It's soap. Yep. I put soap on my finger, and that's what made the pepper okay. move out. So, so, so God, God put soap in the water? God did not put soap in the water. Okay? That was just an illustration to show you how the waters parted so that the people could get through. Because God can do those things. They're not superpowers. You're going to have to talk to your dad and have him explain the Holy Spirit versus superpowers, okay? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and their inquisitive minds and their wanting to learn and understand. Be with us this week. Keep us happy, healthy, and safe. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week. Amen. Head back. Thank you, Maria. You know, if the Israelites brought a boat out of Egypt, this story would be very different today, right? I have a very different kind of sermon. Oh, that was great. Thank you for that demonstration, and thank you, kids, for being active and participating in that.
It's time in our service to collect our offering this morning. Uh, so as the deacons come forward, I just want to remind you that our offering is for the WBCL radio ministry. Um, this is not our funding our radio broadcast that we do every week on T102, but this is a gift to support Christian radio station WBCL and the ministry that they provide and, and many, many people benefit from. So that is what our offering is going for towards. If you going towards this morning, if you feel led to give, I encourage you to do that this morning as the deacons collect their offering. Uh, for our offertory music this morning, we invite you to sing number hymn number 505 with us, Love Lifted Me.
scripture reading this morning is Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Magdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, The Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh was done. We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. 
The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray together again. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for your word, which is a gift to us so that we may know you and serve you in this world. And I just pray now that as we study it together, that you would give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And may your Holy Spirit open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as we transition over into the book of Exodus during our Bible reading plan, I I was having trouble at first deciding what part of this story, the Exodus story, for us to study together on a Sunday morning. Because this whole section, right, is is well are well known passages, but also a, a plethora, a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of encouragement and a, a source of inspiration. But I decided to go with the Red Sea partly because it's it's the climax of the story. As you've been reading through Exodus, you know that there was a, a, a big transition took place between the end of Genesis and the start of Exodus. Some 400 years have gone by. And God's people started as just one family living in Egypt to become a great nation of people. But their position in Egypt also changed. Joseph, who was once second only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt, the Israelites were now enslaved, working under forced labor and making bricks for Pharaoh. And so God calls his servant Moses through the burning bush to go and to set his people free. And over the course of, uh, the course of that time, God says 10 plagues, including the Passover, right, in order to, to convince Pharaoh to finally let his people free. And now here, with the story of the Red Sea, we get the escape, the climax of this story. And in verse 4 of this passage, we see the reason that God gives for his dramatic victory over Pharaoh and the army. It says the Lord will gain glory for himself. It's a theme we see repeated throughout this Exodus story, that, that God's interaction with Pharaoh, is, it was God's goal all along to glorify himself in and through God's people in their interaction with Pharaoh. In fact, the ten plagues themselves were an example of this. They, were, they demonstrated God's power over Pharaoh and the so-called gods of Egypt. Take the plague of darkness, for example. The chief deity in Egypt was Ra, the sun god, right? So what greater way to, to demonstrate the Lord's power over the so-called gods of Egypt and Pharaoh, who was supposed to be Ra's representative in this world, what greater way to demonstrate his power and authority over these so-called gods than to literally turn the sun off in the middle of the day and leave the land of Egypt in total and complete darkness. The Lord over and over again proved that Ra was nothing, that these gods of Egypt were nothing, and that he was the one true God deserving of our worship and our allegiance. 
And so here at the Red Sea, it's, it's the Lord's final decisive victory over Pharaoh and Egypt. And it was God's way of ensuring that Israel would escape so that he could lead them into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. And we know from the story, you just heard it read for us in its entirety, that even though Pharaoh allows God's people to go, he doesn't stick with his decision for very long. Not too long after God's people flee Egypt, Pharaoh changes his mind and sends an army after them. He pursues them all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. And there are God's people stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? They're stuck between the sea on the one side and Pharaoh's army quickly approaching on the other. They're discouraged. They don't know what to do. And it's in that moment that we, they experience God's deliverance over Egypt, from Egypt and through the Red Sea. The Lord rescues them. You see, this story, this Exodus story, kind of becomes a pattern throughout Scripture. We see it over and over again. The, the exile, for example, sometime later in Israel's history and the return from exile seen as like a new Exodus coming back to the promised land. Even the story of Jesus himself, his death and his resurrection is seen as almost a new exodus, an escape from sin and our slavery to it. And so if this is a pattern that God has established for us so that we can this morning and and reflect on the story and what we may learn from it. And there's three things that I want us to focus on today. First, we need to remember what we are set free from. Second, we need to remember how we are set free And third, we must remember how we are to respond to this deliverance. So first, let's take a moment and reflect on and remember what we are set free from. Now, the Egyptians and their escape from Egypt, they were set free from literal slavery, right, and forced labor. They they cried out to the Lord, and God rescued them from that. And there's this interesting exchange that takes place throughout this Exodus story. And and our English Bibles don't always do it justice. You see, there's this back and forth between Moses as God's representative, right, and Pharaoh. The Lord, through Moses, repeatedly says, let my people go so that they can go out to the mountain that I will show them so that they may worship me. And Pharaoh refuses, right? He says, no, these are my slaves. They They are here to serve me. And you see that even in this story in Exodus chapter 14 verse 5 when Pharaoh regrets the decision he made he says what have we done we've let the Israelites go and lost their services now here's the part that our English Bibles don't always translate well the word the same word for to serve Pharaoh is the same word to worship the Lord that word for service and the word for worship are identical in the Hebrew so there's this back and forth between the Lord and through Moses and Pharaoh about who God's people are going to worship, about who God's people are going to serve. And so this Exodus story is, a, is, is not just about physical slavery, God's people enduring physical hardship, but it's about where their allegiance ultimately lies. Are they going to remain in Egypt, remain in service and worship of Pharaoh and his way of life? Or will they follow the Lord through the Red Sea? Will they escape that slavery and worship the Lord as they were created to do. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a comment that people can't serve two masters, right? Because you can't be, you can't give yourself over completely to two different people or two different masters. You're either going to serve one and hate the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and not devoted to the other. 
And that is true of the, the Israelites in Egypt, but it's also true of our own hearts as well, right? We, uh, we, can't, we can't serve two masters. We can't commit ourselves fully to serve the Lord while we're also continuing to live in sin and slavery to our own sinful desires. You see, our hearts are idol factories, right? We keep finding things to, to worship. We keep finding things to put our trust in that isn't the Lord, right? God may set us free from one thing, but pretty soon we're going to find something else to put our hope and our trust in. We find plenty of things in this world to keep us distracted and to keep our attention and our focus off of Jesus. Our hearts are, our hearts are idol factories that keep finding things to go back to, to put our hope in besides the Lord. And we see that in the Israelites as well. They don't, they're barely out of Egypt. They've barely escaped the slavery, they see Pharaoh's army pursuing them. And what do they do? They grumble and complain. Why have you brought us out here? Didn't we, wanted to, didn't we tell you we wanted to stay there and remain in service to Pharaoh? Our hearts quickly turn away from the Lord as distractions and hardship comes our way. But the Lord is doing this to set us free from sin and slavery to sin. Paul picks up this motif in Romans chapter 6, verses 13, excuse me, verses 15 through 23. Again, that's Romans 6, verses 15 through 23. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are no longer under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that through, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. He goes on to say that he's using this example for everyday life so that we may understand what he's talking about. You see, we're slaves to what we obey. So we're either slaves to sin and given over to the desires of our heart or the desires of our flesh. Or we are slaves to God. We're either going to worship Pharaoh, we're going to worship him, or we're going to worship the Lord. You see, this Exodus story is about God setting us free from our sin and our idolatry, breaking the power of sin over our lives. We'll never truly be free from our sin until we learn to trust the Lord and follow him. And that leads us to our second point. We know what we need to be set free from, sin and idolatry, which leads to death. But the question still remains, how are we to be set free? And again, this Exodus story demonstrates what, how we are set free. As Israel is stuck at the shore of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is pursuing behind them, they cry out to the Lord and Moses delivers an important message. He says, the Lord will fight for you. He says, stand firm. Stand your ground and watch the deliverance of the Lord. He, he essentially tells them to just shut up and watch, right? He says, listen up, pay attention. It's not your fight. The Lord is going to be the one to save you. And again, that's the way it's been all along. Think of back to the burning bush and Moses. Moses is fearful. He's, he doesn't know that what he's going to be able to say to Pharaoh or do in this instance. But the Lord says, I will be with you. I will give you the words to speak. When Moses and Aaron are 
standing before Pharaoh and God sends these plagues. Again, it's not Moses and Aaron performing these miracles. It's the Lord working through them. They simply were obedient. And again, here at the Red Sea, yes, it's Moses holding up the staff, but it's the Lord who parts the sea for them. It's the Lord who sends that strong wind to push the waters away and reveal the dry ground in front of them. Yes, God does use human agents to accomplish his will, but he is the one who empowers and equips them for his purposes. So what are we called to do? We're called to be faithful and obedient. God desires to work in you and through you to accomplish his will, but you need to be obedient, just like Moses and Aaron were, just like the Israelites were in this moment. So we need to remember that the fight is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so we cannot save ourselves. It's an interesting thing to note here that that all of this takes place, this rescue from Egypt takes place before God's people received the law on Mount Sinai. Right? They're still on their way. They haven't gotten there yet. They have not received the law so that they could earn God's favor or anything like that. God didn't give them the Ten Commandments and say, all right, figure out what to do with yourselves, and if you're obedient enough, I will show back up and rescue you. No, God rescues them out of Egypt well before they have any law or Ten Commandments to obey. You see, our salvation from beginning to end is not dependent upon us. It's God's work. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this. It says, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's not, we are not saved in our own power or by our own good works. We're completely dependent upon the Lord. But there's also something that saves them either. Somebody asked me this week in our Thursday morning Bible study, now why, why is Pharaoh's heart hard? Right? Why does the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? Why couldn't he have just softened Pharaoh's heart instead and let God's people go? Why all the dramatic plagues? Why the escape through the Red Sea? Why did it have to be that way? And it made me think, and I realized that the re- I believe the reason that Pharaoh's heart needed to be hard was because if Pharaoh had just let the people go like Moses first demanded then God's people would always remember that it was Pharaoh that allowed them to escape. It was Pharaoh that let them go. And so in a sense, they would always owe Pharaoh for their freedom. But instead, God hardens Pharaoh's heart so that it's clear that that they don't receive their freedom because Pharaoh let them be free, that they receive their freedom because the Lord set them free from Pharaoh. They don't owe Pharaoh anything. Again, salvation is the Lord's work from beginning to end. Like the Israelites, we're surrounded, we're stuck in our sin. And the only thing that we can do is look to the Lord for deliverance from the penalty and power of our sin. And when we do that, we see that the Lord utterly, right? We see in the story, the Lord utterly destroys Pharaoh's army. The waters rush back over them and they are destroyed. God doesn't just set us free from, he doesn't just rescue us from sin or from the penalty of sin, but he utterly destroys sin itself. 
when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just rescuing us from the consequences of our sin, although that certainly was part of it. He was also killing, destroying sin itself. And one day, when Christ returns, we will be set free from even the very presence of sin. It will be a thing of the past. And so we are set free. We know what we are being set free from. We, are, we know how we are being set free because it is the Lord is the one who fights for us. And finally, we need to know how we're supposed to respond. See, the Lord parted the Red Sea. God's people looked out and they saw dry ground in front of them. But they still needed to go out and walk across, right? The Lord had done all the work. The Lord made it all happen. But God's people still needed to walk out on that dry land and cross the sea for themselves. The Lord had made a way, but the people needed to walk out on it. Salvation is the Lord's work, but it requires a response from us. Just like the Israelites needed to step out on that dry land and trust God that God was going to hold back the waters for them, we too need to respond in trust and obedience to what God has done for us. We need to keep our focus on Him. We need to keep our focus on Him and not our sin, not the enemy that's trailing behind us. When Israel saw Pharaoh's army, they were afraid and they were filled with doubt. I think of the story of Peter, right? When he steps out of the boat, it's in the stained glass at the back of the sanctuary. When Peter steps out of the boat, when Jesus calls him out and Peter steps out on the boat, he's walking on water. But as soon as he sees the waves and the wind, he's filled with fear and doubt and begins to sink. When Israel saw Pharaoh's army pursuing them, they were filled with fear and doubt and questioned the Lord. But in that moment, right, the Lord, the Lord protected them. The Lord placed himself between the armies and Israel. You see, the enemy is always conniving. He's always manipulating. He's the one that's going to dangle that forbidden fruit in front of your face, and he's going to be the first one to heap guilt on you when you take it. Keep your focus on the Lord, not on our sin, not on your doubt, not on your uncertainty. Keep your focus on the Lord and walk out on that dry land. And finally, and this is the finally, we see the response from God's people. They trusted him. They walked out on that dry land. They experienced God's salvation. And the first thing they do when they get on the other side is they praise the Lord. The last verse of 14 says that they that, that God's people feared the Lord. And then we see in Exodus 15, which was our call to worship this morning, this great song of praise that Moses leads them in. When we experience God's deliverance, it leads us to devotion. It leads us to praise. It leads us to giving him the glory and the honor that he deserves, which again is what the Lord stated was his purpose from the beginning, that he would be glorified in all things. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this Exodus story, this, this story of the Red Sea, which reminds us that you rescue your people out of sin, out of slavery, that it is your work from beginning to end, and that you invite us, Lord, to trust you by stepping out onto that dry land, by, by following you where you're leading us. I pray that everyone here would would experience that and know that for themselves, that they would put their trust in you today. They would experience your deliverance and give you their devotion. 
We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service, I want to invite the choir to come forward this morning. Um, we are, instead of responding with song ourselves, we're going to close our service by hearing, by, by joining, by hearing the choir lead us in song this morning. The song goes right along with the scripture passage that we just read and the theme of the message here today. The song is called, I Will Keep My Eyes on You.
Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.